You can make money the hard way becoming a bullfighter or save money the easy way with Xfinity Mobile. It sure beats making money as a human cannonball. Now through March 21st, learn how existing Xfinity customers can get a free line of unlimited intro for a year when they buy one unlimited line. That's hundreds of dollars in savings on your wireless bill. Visit XfinityMobile.com today. Restrictions apply. Xfinity Mobile requires Xfinity Internet. Reduced speeds after 20 gigabytes of usage per line. Data thresholds may vary. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Brett McKay here, and welcome to another edition of the Art of Manliness podcast. Now, if you've been reading The Art of Manliness for a while now, you probably know that I'm a big fan of Theodore Roosevelt. The man led an impressive life. He was an avid outdoorsman, an an adventurer, a rancher, a rough writer, author of several books, and a political powerhouse. But before he became the larger-than-life man that we know today, he was a, and I quote, a thin, pale youngster with bad eyes and a weak heart. End quote. That description came from Bill Sewell, a Maine woodsman who became TR's mentor at a crucial time in Roosevelt's life. It's been said if you really want to get to know a man, you should probably get to know the people who've had an influence on him. And Bill Sewell had a profound influence on a young Roosevelt. And our guest today has written a book about that, ex- that explores the relationship between Teddy Roosevelt and this quiet New England woodsman named Bill Sewell. His name is Andrew Veets, and he's the author of the book, Becoming Teddy Roosevelt, How a Maine Guide Inspired America's 26th President. Andrew, welcome to the show. Thanks very much, Brett. Glad to be here. Well, Andrew, tell us, what inspired you to write this book? So it's kind of an interesting subject. A lot of people don't, there's not a lot of books, I imagine, about uh, this New England woodsman named Bill Sewell. There actually is not, no. Um, what inspired me, I spend about half of a year uh, working as a ranger up in Baxter State Park, which is a wilderness area up in the northern part of Maine, which is not far from where Bill Sewell actually is from. And I, you know, do all the sort of rangerly things that you might expect a ranger to do from rescuing people and putting out forest fires and all those kinds of things and protecting the park from the people and the people from the park. And uh, But what I never expected to do was be assigned to read a book. And one of my supervisors asked me to read uh, Legacy of a Lifetime, which is the book about how Baxter Park was created. And in that book is the tale of Theodore Roosevelt climbing Mount Katahdin, which is the highest mountain in Maine, and the centerpiece of Baxter Park. And I kind of, in the back of my my mind, had been aware of this story, but for some reason it clicked on that particular day, sitting there in my ranger station, reading my, you know, reading the book, and I figured. I could probably sell that story as a. I work as a freelance writer for 12 months and a park ranger for six, so I'm always looking for story, story ideas. And I thought that I could sell that story to Down East Magazine, uh, a magazine about the state of Maine that I've done a lot of work for. 
And so I did. And they bit, and they, they really liked it. And the piece won an award for the magazine and for myself, and it, it attracted a lot of interest. And just uh, Theodore Roosevelt, obviously, is a pretty popular character. So um, in my research, I well, I was gratified that, that a lot of people liked it. And in my research, I kind of... Uh, came across a lot more than I could fit into 2,500 words. And so I thought, you know, maybe there's more here. And I started doing research for a book. And sure enough, I found uh, what I needed. So that, that was that was where the, the idea came from. Well, awesome. Well, well, tell us a little bit more about Bill Sewell. Um, what make, makes him such a unique character? And you know, how did him and Teddy Roosevelt meet up? Well, Bill Sewell is from Island Falls, Maine, which when Roosevelt visited, had something like 236 people, a really, really tiny outpost in the southern part of Aroostook County, which is a, back in that time was a real wilderness area. And, in fact, Sewell's parents were the first people in Island Falls. They, they built the first house in Island Falls, and Bill Sewell was the first white child born in Island Falls. And as I mentioned in the book, it really was as much of a frontier as any of the places that were being opened up out west at the time. Um, and one of the things that attracted me to Bill Sewell was one of the first descriptions that I read about him was of him uh, reciting Longfellow while he's cutting down trees. And I, I, I doubt there are very many uh, of his fellow lumbermen who could or would you know, recite uh, epic poetry while they're doing their job. And so that just struck me that, you know, here's a guy that's a little bit more, a little deeper than uh, some of his colleagues. Um, he was a physically huge person. I mean, he's 6'4", and, and he had hands that were, you know, the size of Frisbees, basically. Um, he was very self-made. He, he never really had much of an education, but read constantly. Um, he, he got his first gun at age 7, and he's guiding by age 12. I mean... Very precocious, much the way that that Theodore Roosevelt was. Um, and at 16, he went into the woods to start cutting trees. And and um, it, while all the rest of his peers were sort of drinking away their wages, which is what they tended to do, um, he was really studying the business. And by the time he was 20, he had his own crew, uh, running his own lumber crew, which was very rare. Um, but the Sewell House, which still stands today in Island Falls, it was the house that Bill Sewell built for his parents uh, in 1860, is was the sort of the center of Island Falls. And I try to paint a picture of this community. Um, and, and everyone that came to Island Falls as a traveler would stop there. And he loved that. He loved to get uh, uh, perspectives of people from, from outside you know, from outside Aristic County, people from all over the world actually came by. And he was very interested in politics and what was going on all over the world. And he just, he, he, was, a, he was a character and a, and a real life liver. Much like Roosevelt, he, he had sort of a zeal for life that, you know, every day he couldn't wait to get up and put his boots on and see what kind of adventures he could get into. So, and, and when, when we would, when he went out west, we, we'd learn that he was never afraid of anyone or anything. <laughs> um, he was just a unique fellow. Okay, and so how did TR meet Bill Sewell? What was what happened well, there? Yep. Um, Roosevelt was uh, homeschooled or, or tutored by a gentleman named Arthur Cutler, who would go on to found a famous school for boys in New York. And um, 
Roosevelt was his first student, and they were very close. And, and Cutler was only a few years older than Roosevelt. And Theodore Roosevelt Sr. hired Cutler to uh, to tutor, to uh, to get young Theodore, who never went to public schools. His parents didn't want him to... Uh, they just didn't like the idea of him going to public school, basically. So he was tutored by Cutler, and Cutler was an avid outdoorsman, much like Roosevelt aspired to be. And Cutler had been on a on a train in Boston with a couple of Roosevelt's cousins planning a trip to Maine, uh, and he didn't exactly know where he wanted to go. And he bumped into a fellow on the train who said, what you really need to do is get up and find Bill Sewell uh, up in Arista County. And so Cutler did, and this was two years before Roosevelt went. And he, uh, he had a wonderful time up there with uh, Sewell and two Roosevelt cousins. And when they got back, all they could do was talk about Bill Sewell and Island Falls. And so for two years, Theodore Roosevelt had in the back of his mind that he would really love to get up to uh, Arista County and go hunting with Bill Sewell. Um, and what happened was Roosevelt's father died. And Roosevelt's father was a huge figure in his in his life, kind of a compass, you know, a moral compass. A, a, he was his guide in life and the person that Roosevelt called his best friend and the man that he most admired. So when he died, he was really despondent and kind of adrift. And Cutler recognized that, and he thought, he thought that would be a perfect time for for this trip up north because he thought that Bill Sewell would be a really great male role model for Theodore Roosevelt. So in 1878, uh, Roosevelt and Cutler and a couple of uh, Roosevelt's cousins took the train, and, and off they went to go see Bill Sewell up in Island Falls. And after these two experiences uh, with, you know, these trips with Sewell, they became lifelong friends. Is that correct? Absolutely. Yep. Um, li- literally lifelong uh, friends. When when Roosevelt became president, uh, Sewell went down and visited visited him at the White House a few times, and um, they exchanged letters. I think someone said that that Roosevelt wrote 150,000 letters, and I'm pretty sure a lot of them went to Bill Sewell because they had to page through them all. <laughs> and they just very vol- uh, very uh, voluminous uh, correspondence back and forth. Talking about the relationship, what was it like? Because Sewell was considerably older than Roosevelt. I mean, was the relationship more like a father-son thing? Was it brothers, or were they just kind of a teacher-student? I mean, what was it like? It's kind of, that's a great question, because it's, it, it has a, a lot of all of those um, elements in it. He was, Sewell was 13 years older than Bill Sewell, and, uh, and like I mentioned, Cut, Arthur Cutler, uh, Roosevelt's tutor saw Sewell as a great father figure type uh, uh, person in, in Roosevelt's life, and but I think that Roosevelt himself actually looked up to him more as sort of an older brother. Um, they were extremely close and very good friends, but I, I think that he was uh, more more of like an older brother uh, or an older brother's friend kind of thing. Um, very, very much the mentor. Um, as opposed to someone that would like discipline or, or mm-hmm. you know, um, he, he just was a, someone that Roosevelt really admired and wanted to be like in many ways. And, um, and he, he always looked to him, even when he was president, he would look to him for counsel for, for his thoughts on things. And one of the reasons for that is because Sewell was one of the first people that Roosevelt ever met that was sort of a normal everyday guy who, who was not, uh, hyper affluent and, and very privileged. Um, he gave Roosevelt this sort of perspective into 
uh, the ordinary American's life, you know, the sort of the pop, the, where he kind of got his populism. Um, so more, a little bit of everything, really. Yeah. Yeah, and that's something you something you just mentioned there. How Roosevelt aspired to be like Sewell. And that's something I found really interesting in your book. Uh, you do some experts from Roosevelt's diaries, and you see him constantly comparing himself to Sewell. Or um, there was, I guess there's just a stint where they hung out with a bunch of lumbermen and they worked around with the lumbermen. And Roosevelt, this young man, was comparing them to comparing himself to these you know really strong lumbermen, saying oh, I could keep up with them, even though. Roosevelt was still kind of a weakling at this time. And you kind of get the sense that Roosevelt was insecure about himself. And this insecurity drove him to, I guess, improve himself. Is that a, would that be a correct statement? Yeah, I think absolutely that's correct. He was, he was um, uh, kind of pampered, uh, as I mentioned, and, and his parents coddled him and, and sort of indulged him. And he didn't get a lot of exposure to people outside his social strata and um, – and he, he, uh, you know, he never had the schoolyard fights that we had, um, that a lot of us had anyway. Um, he, he didn't ever really get a chance to test himself outside the, you know, his parents' uh, sphere of influence until he went to Harvard. And when he went to Harvard, he went up to Maine. Um, so he did see Sewell, and, and they, they had a, Sewell had a nephew who was closer in age to, to Roosevelt that also guided with him a lot, uh, Will McDowell. And so Roosevelt spent a lot of time comparing himself to both Sewell and Dow. You know, you'll see excerpts in the diary. Uh, you know, I didn't shoot anywhere near as well as Sewell and Dow. Um, or I, I, I hiked just as far as those, you know, of, uh, as the Mainers did today. And I carried my pack the whole way. And when he climbed Mount Katahdin, he was the only person from uh, besides his guys, the only one of his uh, fellow New Yorkers that was able to get up the mountain. And so that really was a very huge uh, point of pride for him, and he talked about it a lot when he was back at Harvard. Um, you know, I, I can keep up with the Mainers. I can I can work just as hard as the Mainers. Um, so, yeah, he, he always was comparing himself, and a lot of men of uh, Roosevelt's age, when I say age in, in time period uh, way, from that era were worried about becoming losing the sort of rugged individualism that made America great in the early days. They were worried that they were becoming too soft and too Europeanized. And I think Roosevelt felt that personally very strongly because he did come from a... He was a very small child. He was pampered. He was sickly. And so he really, really wanted to uh, prove his mettle. Hmm. And then he used the Sewell and Dow as the measuring sticks for a time there. We're going to take a quick break for your word from our sponsors. For those who embrace the impossible, the Defender 110 is up for the adventure. This iconic vehicle has been redefined with a thoroughly modern design. The exterior has been reimagined with compelling proportions and precise detailing, and the interior is built with robust materials and integrity. The Defender capability is legendary, whether you're facing off-road challenges or harsh weather conditions. Durability has been tested to the extreme, cargo capacity means more room for your gear, and there's been powerful innovations like the intuitive driver display and award-winning infotainment system that keeps you connected. Innovative camera technologies deliver unobstructed views and effortless maneuvering, and the Defender is ready for a wide range of adventures. The Defender family features two-door Defender 90, the Defender 110, and the Defender 130, which seats up to eight. Push what's possible with a vehicle made to go further, the Defender 110. Learn more at LandRoverUSA.com forward slash Defender. That's LandRoverUSA.com forward slash Defender. 
And now back to the show. Yeah. And what ways do you think Sewell um, specifically had an influence on TR? Well, I think uh, Roosevelt, when, when he was a boy, was very interested in um, adventure stories. You know, he was fascinated by Rogers, Rain, Rogers Rangers and Daniel Boone, Davy Crockett and Matty Bumpo and all these rugged outdoorsmen, um, adventurers and pioneers. And when he came up to Maine, here, here he meets a guy that, that he thought, you know, could have stepped right out of the pages of one of those books, um, Bill Sewell. And he basically, I think it was, it was just, uh, I can't say anything specifically like uh, Sewell said, you know, you need to hold, hold your gun this way or, or whatnot. I don't have that kind of deep data, but what I do have is that, that as we mentioned, that he was always comparing himself. He was always striving to be equal to Bill Sewell and Will Dow. Um, whether it was shooting or hiking or climbing, he he, he always wanted to uh, to do as well. So that was that's the, as specific as I can get, really. Yeah. And, and on that really on a related note, do you think Sewell had anything to do with Roosevelt? You know, directing Roosevelt into public service because this was a time in Roosevelt's life when he was trying to figure out what he was going to do with the rest of his life. He was thinking about being a natural historian, something he's been doing since he was a boy, and he was thinking about maybe doing public service. Um, do you think? Sewell had anything to do with kind of nudging Roosevelt into the area of uh, becoming a politician or a statesman? Yeah, he, he certainly encouraged it. Um, I think probably that Roosevelt was leaning that way anyway, but um, I, I, in the book I mentioned a couple of incidents where they talked specifically about that. Um, on, the, on the first one, they were on their, Roosevelt's third trip to uh, Aroostook County, and they were exploring the Aroostook River, and um, they were pushing their boat up, up the uh, the river, which it was it was in the late summer, so there wasn't a whole lot of water, and they ended up having to portage a lot and to physically heave the boat up the up the river over beaver dams, and it was a really really rugged trip. Um, and at night, what they would do is build a shelter beside the river and sit and talk. Just and it was just the two of them, and they had a lot of heart to hearts. And Roosevelt uh, talks later about on one of those heart to hearts. He was talking to Sewell about how he'd kind of come to this point in his life where he no longer thought he wanted to be a naturalist, which is what he had always wanted to be. Um, because when he got to Harvard, he found that being a naturalist meant that you'd work in a lab with a white coat on. And what he wanted to do was be the adventurer in the field kind of naturalist. And so he's starting to decide that maybe that wasn't for him. And he started to think about law and politics. And Sewell told him right there beside the Aristic River that the, the world could use more good men like him in public service. Um, he said, you know, there was a very specific um, conversation about it. And they had much the same conversation when they were going their separate ways uh, out in the Badlands. Um, Sewell ran Roosevelt's cattle ranch when, when Roosevelt decided to go out and uh, be a cowboy. And they found out that the ranch wasn't going to wasn't going to fly for a variety of reasons, and they decided to to, to uh, shut shut it down. And they had a heart to heart out on the plains one night, just the two of them. And at that time, Sewell actually said explicitly, "If if you go into politics and live, your chance of being president one day is good." Hmm. So I think he really did encourage that because he did see he really as much as uh, Roosevelt admired Sewell. Sewell admired Roosevelt. He, he would say that he'd never met anybody quite like him, and he thought the world needed um, 
you know, uh, someone as good and smart and talented as he in uh, public service. And so I do think, yeah, he really encouraged it. Wow. And you just mentioned about the Sewell's experience in the, the Badlands and the, the Dakotas with TR. Tell us a little bit about that, because uh, that really was kind of a fish-out-of-water experience for Sewell. I mean, he came from this lush New England green, uh, you know, hills um, and mountains of Maine to uh, this really desert of the Badlands. Um, what was that experience like for Sewell? Well, it's funny. He, um, he essentially stepped off the train and gets to um, gets to the Badlands and turns and says to Roosevelt, this is not much of a cattle country. <laughs> and Roosevelt was, of course, aghast because he just spent all this money and, and was trying to build a, a you know, real ranching venture, and here Sewell was already putting it down. But um, he didn't have much use for the Badlands, and, and he used to like to quip that whoever called him the Badlands had it about right. Um, they were too hot for him, and they were too dry for him especially, and too cold, frankly. I mean, it, it was a real extremes of temperature that, that up in Maine here we don't usually see because we have the, the mitigating influence of the, of the ocean. Um, so he was not very comfortable out there, and, and uh, he... Um, he was never too comfortable riding horses. Um, he, uh, he he used to say that the only experience that he had in an equestrian sort of way was when he rode logs, <laughs> and uh, he didn't he didn't really cotton to that much. What he really did enjoy, though, was exploring and getting to see this part of the country, because that was the farthest west he'd ever been. Um, he'd been to New York and he'd been to Illinois and whatnot, but he'd never been quite that far west and. He just enjoyed, they did some trips through Montana and Wyoming, doing uh, roundup, uh, cattle roundups, and he really enjoyed that aspect of it, just getting to see what the country looked like. And he also really enjoyed meeting all the people that he met that he came across, and he thought that the, the ranch hands from from the West were much like the, the men that he felt comfortable with, the lumbermen of Maine, you know, sort of the same, same guy, just different job, basically. Yeah. Well, it sounds like Sewell did, you know, went out west kind of as loyalty to Roosevelt in a sense. He did. I mean, I think I think maybe he thought he would like it more than he did. And he certainly wanted to uh to hang out with Roosevelt some more and uh and to help him make this venture succeed. Um but when he got there, uh it wasn't long before he was writing home saying, you know, this is not the place for me. He would tell his brother who was a little bit jealous, you know, you don't have anything to be jealous about because you have it, we have it much nicer there on Island Falls than they have it out here. So, huh. but they, it was kind of, a, oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, it was kind of the Wild West at that time still. Yeah. And, and they had a lot of um, discussions with, with neighbors over gun barrels. And uh, I think Sewell found that kind of, you know, exciting. Um so I think that element kind of appealed to him too. But ultimately, he he said that when he got home, he was he he was never happier to be home than than when he returned from that trip. Hmm. Now, why do you think Bill Sewell doesn't get as much attention um, today? I mean, in your book, you talk about how he became this very public figure when Roosevelt was elected. I mean, he was um, pitching, you know, even products, uh, outdoors products, you know, as the 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 guide and the mentor of Theodore President President Theodore Roosevelt. Um, and then it just seems like he kind of got forgotten in history. Why do you think that happened? Well, he, he really was a celebrity for a while there, and, and he was well-known enough that they 
you know, that he would be in the newspaper and they would just have to say Bill Sewell. They didn't have to say the president's guy. They wouldn't have to say anything. It was just Bill Sewell. He became a, a known commodity. And um, in a few of the very early Roosevelt biographies, he was he loomed very large. In fact, uh, I quote uh, Herman Hagedorn as he was one of the first biographers of Roosevelt. And when, when Roosevelt was at the end of his life, Hagedorn asked him, you know, who should I speak to? And, and he said, you need to speak to Bill Sewell of Island Falls. He knows me better than anybody else. Um, and yet he, he does. He does kind of disappear. And, and But it's really just, it's from like about the 50s through the 90s or so that he disappears. Um, because right now there's another book out. Um, you've probably heard of Wilderness Warrior by Douglas Brinkley. And there's a, uh, there's a fairly decent chunk on Sewell in that book. And um, he, Brinkley says that... Uh, Maine was the place where, and under Sewell's guidance, where Roosevelt first found his true self or became his true self. Um, so it's really only the, the recent biographies, but they were the biggest biographies. So, you know, the bestsellers like uh, Mornings on Horseback and stuff. Mm-hmm. You'll find Sewell in there, but he's a very minor character. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I guess it's because those books had certain um, things that they wanted to focus on. Mornings on Horseback was focused on the... Uh, so the milieu that created Theodore Roosevelt, and, you know, New York, New York and, and his family, um, and they they weren't really as much into the outdoors, I guess. Yeah. Um, and they weren't written by a proud main guide, maybe. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, last question, Andrew. Um, what lessons do you think men today can take take from Bill Sewell on becoming better men? Because this Bill Sewell sounded like he was an, an upstanding guy. What can we learn from him? He definitely was an upstanding guy. Um, one, he, he believed in very hard work, and he believed in treating people, or he would say using people, in the right way. Um, he was very honest. He was, uh, he was very, um, he, was, he always, like Theodore Roosevelt, he was always aspiring to better himself and his community. Um, for example, he used to make loans out of his own pocket to people in Island Falls that he thought were doing something that would help the community of Island Falls. Um, he's extremely loyal as a friend, uh, which I think is pretty obvious with his relationship with Roosevelt. And he really believed in what he called duty. Um, and for an example of that would be that he was invited by some friends to move out to Minnesota where they were just starting to lumbering operations. And he could have made a mint being uh, like an overseer, sort of, uh, I guess an overseer is the best way to, to put it, um, helping set up the Minnesota lumbering industry. And he didn't because his parents were, were, their health was failing, and he thought he had a duty to be there and to to take care of them. Um, So, you know, duty would be very, one of his uh, nicer attributes. He was just a really decent human. Um, I I can't find a whole lot bad to say about him, really. And, And it's pretty pretty sad because you think there would be really dark aspects to his personality or something but the only thing that that was that i can see that you know he had a, he had an attitude towards women and his his children that was um of the time i guess you know he didn't think too much of leaving his wife to go live in the badlands for a year and a half or two years with leaving her with a brand new baby so some people might think that was not the kind of thing to do but he really was a a gentleman and a, and a fine human being really well Andrew thank you for your time it's been a pleasure
Well, I, I really appreciate it, Brett. I, I, I like your site. And I don't know if you know, but Andrew um, comes from the old Greek for manly. So. <laughs> that's right. That's right. You got a manly <laughs> name there. Well, thanks again, Andrew. <laughs> Thank you very much. Our guest today was Andrew Veets. Andrew's the author of the book, Becoming Teddy Roosevelt, How a Main Guide Inspired America's 26th President. And you can find Andrew's book at Amazon.com. Well, that wraps up another edition of the Art of Manliness podcast. For more manly tips and advice, make sure to check out the Art of Manliness website at artofmanliness.com. And until next time, stay manly. You can make money the hard way becoming a bullfighter or save money the easy way with Xfinity Mobile. It sure beats making money as a human cannonball. Now through March 21st, learn how existing Xfinity customers can get a free line of unlimited intro for a year when they buy one unlimited line. That's hundreds of dollars in savings on your wireless bill. Visit XfinityMobile.com today. Restrictions apply. Xfinity Mobile requires Xfinity Internet. Reduce speeds after 20 gigabytes of usage per line. Data thresholds may vary.